The Brad Sesmat Show, broadcasting live. Hey everybody, welcome on into The Brad Sesmat Show. I am Jordan Ham filling in for the big guy. Have a lot to get to. Super Bowl yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers uh, and plenty to get into of what this means moving forward, uh, not only for the Chiefs, for the Niners. How does this affect the Cardinals? Um, so a lot to get into there. Uh, speaking of the Cardinals, we will be talking to Kent Summers, um, who claims he is retired. Um, but he has been all over the place the past uh, this past season, doing a lot of different things, working with the Cardinals, um, providing coverage as well. Want to talk to him just about this is a crucial offseason uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, year two for Monty Austin Fort, for Jonathan Gannon. You have the fourth overall pick. Uh, what does that look like? You have um, some resources that you didn't have previously um, in free agency. So, what does that look like? Um, what's the roadmap to get back to um, being a competitive football team and being out of the top 10 consistently? What, what can they do? Um, so, a lot to get to there. And then also um, some stuff with uh, the waste management open, waste management. Phoenix Open uh, wrapped up. It was a great tournament. Uh, went to a playoff, much like the Super Bowl did, um, and that was pretty cool to see. Um, but a lot going on um, away from the course as well. So, going to get into that. We're brought to you by Desert Financial Credit Union. Desert Financial Credit Union taking care of you and taking care of your business. Uh, so, with the with the Super Bowl, uh, third time in five years that the Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. Uh, this was, I think, this was the year that, like, if another team was going to get it, it was going to be this one. Uh, the Chiefs were not the same Chiefs they usually are. They Probably the best defense they had, but they did not have the weapons they typically have. They It was a struggle. Um, the wide receivers uh, were at times bad for Patrick Mahomes uh, throughout the season. They, they looked the the most vulnerable I think we've seen them um and now they're winning they won back to back uh and it was Patrick Mahomes and it's one of those he's one of those guys you let him hang around he's going to beat you as Suns fans we saw this a lot with Kobe Bryant there were plenty of times where it was just like all right Kobe struggling a little bit on a given day struggling in a series uh you let them within striking distance Something's going to click, and that's what happened with with Patrick Mahomes. Um, for the 49ers, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate this. This is a team uh, that is built for the playoffs, is built, you know, what, what do they add? What can they do? Uh, you have the best running back in football. You have a great offensive line. You have Brock Purdy, who you aren't paying currently. We'll see what his contract looks like moving forward. Um, so how how can you just where where do you go from here? It's always interesting for the team that gets so close but not able to get it. How do they recalibrate? How do they get back there? Um, the dynasties a lot of times are the ones that uh, the the winners. It's not. Uh, to get to the Super Bowl usually is such an accomplishment. After you lose, it doesn't happen back to back to back, you know, unless you're the Buffalo Bills of, of many years ago. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they recalibrate. What do they do? I thought Brock Purdy played 
played pretty well. It it the game plan felt like it was go through Christian McCaffrey, go through Christian McCaffrey. There were some turnovers, yeah. There there were a couple of fumbles, um, but I think it was a relatively clean, defensively heavy game uh, in those first couple. Uh, minutes, uh, really first half. Um, and then, you know, that fourth quarter, there was just a ton of action and, uh, you eventually get to, uh, overtime and, you know, it's that, that's what you dream about as a sports fan, as an athlete, um, what that looks like. Um, and it comes down to special teams. I mean, a missed extra point blocked extra point. That's that'll, that's why we were in overtime in the first place. So, you know, you look at all the little moments of what could have been, and it's just crazy to see what, what that was. But that Brock Purdy played well. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I thought, um, had a had a decent game. Um, you know, when he was targeted, he, he made plays. Um, it looked like it was for both teams. There weren't many shots. It was just kind of like we're... We're just going to try to out-jab you a little bit and, and throw a cross in there every now and then. Um, but yeah, now now moving forward, we are in dynasty conversation. It is three and five years, um, and this is a young wide receiver core. Uh, they've had to redo how they manage their money, how, you know, where all the resources are going. Um, obviously, Patrick Mahomes off of that rookie contract. Um and they've had to kind of take some lumps um, in that way. Uh, and that's the crazy thing. Like, I'm talking about taking lumps, and they're the Super Bowl champions. So good luck, rest of the NFL. And that just shows how tough it is. Um, you know, I think the AFC is still going to be a gauntlet. NFC, I think it solely it goes through San Francisco. It'll go through San Francisco in the next couple of years. That's how this team is built. Not only are they top heavy, uh, have elite, elite talent, they have crazy depth. Um, and that it wasn't built uh, in a day. It took some time. And that's where, as Arizona Cardinals fans, you have to be, um, you know, looking at the positives of, okay, this is the roadmap that you can use. Obviously, very different scenario, like number one overall pick versus literally the last pick in the draft at their at quarterback for uh, the 49ers. But, you know, you start looking and, and looking at some of those things that have hits. Um, I think Michael Wilson is going to be a good long-term option for them at wide receiver. Paris Johnson could be a mainstay along that offensive line. Trey McBride, while it was a highly criticized pick at the time because they had Zach Ertz, I think this will be a, you know, Steve Kime draft pick that will hit and be a long-term hit. And that's something we're going to talk to uh, with Kent Summers about. Um, you know, he, he had plenty, plenty of misses, but this was one that, um, you know, he, he does look like a top talent at the tight end position. So how do you continue to build that? How do you continue to, to allocate and, and push those chips in at times? That, that's one main thing with the, the Niners. They haven't been afraid to take big swings, um, but they have the depth to then overcome that if it doesn't work out. Trey Lance, for the amount they gave up to go up and get Trey Lance and then it not work out, that would crater some teams. It's been a blip on the radar. Big reason is because of Brock Purdy stepping in and, and being tremendous. Um, but, like, that can that can get a lot of people fired. And it was a blip on the radar for them. That's how well this team is put together. And I know, like, as Arizona fans, you can hate on the San Francisco 49ers. You can hate on the Dodgers. But, like, they build that room for air 
where if if something doesn't work out, it's not going to set them back five, ten years. You know, they're able, they have the depth where it's like, okay, well, we'll just plug in this other guy. We'll go make a move. We'll go do this. We'll go do that. But a lot of it is homegrown talent. That's why they're so good. Yes, they have some resources to go get the top line players, but a lot of the players that they are getting are the ones they draft, are the ones they develop um, and and go on from there. Every single year, it seems like, um, and it's kind of cool because it is Arizona guys, but whenever there's the past couple drafts, I've texted my friends who are 49ers reporters and saying, Brandon Ayuk draft, you're going to love this guy. Like he's a stud, good dude. You're going to love him. Brock Purdy, stud. You're going to love him. Isaiah Oliver, uh, when he signed with them, you're going to love him. You know, they're, they're able to identify that talent. Um, and it's very rarely like, oh, you you signed that guy or, oh, you drafted that guy. Yeah, he was kind of a mess, uh, you know, when I covered him. it's it, A lot of times it's in my very small sample size. It's like, oh, these are studs. Like, you got it. Like, very nice move there. Um, so going to be interesting to see what happens with the 49ers, what happens uh, in this NFC West as it is changing quite a bit um, in a very short amount of time. So we're going to continue this conversation with Kent Summers. Uh, that is coming up next on the Brad Sesmat Show. We are officially in the NFL offseason, and Kent Summers claims that he is retired but has been all over the place uh, this past season with the Arizona Cardinals. Wanted to get his thoughts on, a, I think, a very important uh, offseason. Kent, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So now that we're looking at this offseason year two for JG, for Monty Austin Fort, uh, when you look back just a year ago, um, you know, with all the progress that they made, all the changes that they made, what stands out to you that has the most staying power and the most sticking power um, of those changes and, and tweaks they were able to make? Well, you know, I've I've kind of grown to hate the word culture as it's used in sports. I think it's overused and hyped and a and more than a little bit cliche, but you know, I'm gonna use it here. <laughs> but I, I think they established some things in terms of how they're gonna do business, how Jonathan Gannon's gonna coach the team and and more importantly, how the players responded uh to him. I felt like, you know, the organization it, pivoted away from, you know, what much needed pivoted away from a from a stance or a method that was leading them nowhere and have really bought into what Awesome Fort and Gannon are are preaching. I mean, for a team that, you know, only won a handful of games for the players to all come out and praise the coach. Um, you And you could see when you watch that team, you know, they didn't always execute well, but you could see a game plan. You could see the thought. You could see what they were trying to do and you know and and now the challenge obviously with with more resources than they had last year in terms of cap space and draft picks what they do now what's what's the next step because you know significant improvements expected in the second year you mentioned that culture uh you know, you mentioned that that low record they're going to be picking fourth this year. Uh, they're in a division with a team that just made it to a Super Bowl and a, another team that was able to make the postseason and a Seattle team that I think is, you know, never really out of it. So uh, in terms of their division and kind of where that gap is currently, does it seem like they are closer than, you know, maybe people think or maybe the record indicates I don't know if they're closer than we think they are to the 49ers, certainly. I mean, you look at the 49ers roster that's just loaded with talent on both sides of the ball. And now, you know, 
<clears throat> I think they have, you know, a, a quarterback who's going to lead them for many, many years in Brock Purdy. Um, but but I think the Cardinals could be closer. In, in, you know, what they need is another draft like they had last year. This is a real challenging year for Austin Fort and Gannon. Um, how do they use those draft picks? Are they used wisely? Is Are these going to become, you know, is, are they going to have a draft like uh, – you know, what, two, 2006 when um, or 2004 when Larry Fitzgerald entered the league, you know, with Larry Fitzgerald and Carlos Dansby and Darnell Dockett and Antonio Smith. I mean, they they need one of those types of drafts. And and unlike last year, the Cardinals have cap space and the ability to go in free agency and address some needs. You know, how, how much do they spend in that? What are their priorities um, when they when they go do that, because last year they really sort of sat out, you know, the the first few waves of free agency. And this year, I don't think they can afford to do that. And, you know, and, and getting back to the first topic, what what maybe Gannon was able to establish here, is that enough to sell players from outside the organization on? You know, are they going to have to overpay to get guys to come to Arizona or is word gotten around the league like, hey, this this organization's changed and Gannon's one, a, a guy you want to play for? Mm-hmm. Uh, talking, Speaking of the draft, um, is there a guy, you know, at pick number four that you're already keeping an eye on? I know there, there's plenty that, uh, you know, plenty of different options that they could go. Um, I guess what I'm really asking is how much of a letdown would it be if it isn't like a Marvin Harrison Jr.? Or what What do you think if you could kind of map out what a perfect first round or at least that first half of the first round looked like for the Cardinals? What do you think it would be? Yeah, and I don't think there's one path. There's just one path that makes sense for them. I think there are, there are, are more than one path. I would love for them to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and pair him with Kyler Murray and and uh, a Trey McBride at tight end and a Paris Johnson Jr. last year's first round pick at right tackle and, you know, and and, and running back James Conner. I mean, that gives you some some weapons offensively to do far more than they did a year ago. But I also think it would make sense if, if somebody falls in love with Marvin Harrison Jr. or another player there that Austin Ford does what he did last year, make a deal, get multiple picks move move down a few spots and you know maybe take the best pass rusher in the draft or the second or third best pass rusher maybe take the second or third or fourth best receiver in in what's supposed to be a very deep draft at that position i could totally see that and i i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have a problem with it me personally as gm it would make me think long and hard though about passing up what what could be a generational talent i i think in marvin harrison jr Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when you're uh, looking at this current roster, uh, you know, plenty of youth on that team. You mentioned some of those high draft picks and some of them have popped. Some of them were waiting to sit, maybe see, take that next step. Who on this current roster do you think is slated for a big breakout year or taking a big jump in this next season? Oh, wow. That's a good that's a good question. Um, you know, I think. We, we saw Trey McBride break out this past season or the second half of the season. I, I'm I'm interested to see him put an entire season together because he was playing like a top five tight end in the league. I mean, this was this was a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey kind of talent. And I say that both in terms of being a receiver, run after the catch and blocking ability. So I, I really like him a lot. I think, I think Paris Johnson Jr. at right tackle had a very solid 
rookie season. I think he can take that next step. He certainly has the ability to be a, a perennial Pro Bowl player, you know, and seems to have all the the mental makeup to do that. Like the game means a lot to him and he'll put the work in in the offseason to um, become that guy. You know, it's, it, it's though it's, I, I look at that defense and I don't know that I see a young player ready to break out, like ready to become a Pro Bowl player. I, I don't know that they have that guy yet, you know, and I, I, I think that obviously speaks to the, you know, infusion of talent they need, especially on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I was actually about to ask you about the, the area you feel like needs the most improvement or, you know, whether it's through the draft or through free agency, is it, would it be on that side of the football? You think that to help it, it, take yeah, that team? Yeah, it would be to me because I think on offense, you, you know, obviously they need a receiver, a number one receiver. We don't know what they're going to do with Hollywood Brown. I don't think you pay him. You know, he's a free agent. I don't think you pay him as a number one right. receiver. And, and you know, that he dealt with a nut, the foot injury for a second consecutive year was troublesome. But, yeah, I think I think they need more help on defense. I think outside of, you know, Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson at safeties, I don't know that they have a difference maker um, on the front seven or at linebacker. I mean, I love what Kaiser White did, bringing him in at inside linebacker and the way he played until he was hurt. But they don't have that elite guy. You know, they don't have that elite edge rusher. They don't have uh, that person at cornerback. Um, so they they need help really at every level of, of that defense. So I, I would think – I don't know that they'll address it in the first round of the draft, but I would think we would see it uh, defensively on in free agency. And I think we would see more draft, more defense picks for defense and offense in the draft. What do you foresee for Kyler Murray to have a fully healthy off season and hopefully a fully healthy year in this new system? What we saw, I think for, uh, you know, his time back, you know, those, those eight games. And especially over the last month, you could see that offense starting to click. You could see what the benefit was of, you know, putting him under center more often than in the shotgun more often. I don't think, you know, I think that can be overdone a little bit to talk about, you know, all this, there's this tremendous difference with Kyler Murray at um, under center, but I think it does give them the options to run some different kind of plays that suit him um, really well. But I, you know, I, I thought they made tremendous strides, both he and the organization last year in repairing that relationship and kind of renewing, you know, his faith in the organization and the organization's faith in him. You know, we we didn't see all the controversy about, you know, the contract. I mean, it, we didn't see, you know, the study clauses put in when when, uh, you know, Kyler rehab from knee surgery, it was almost, it was done almost entirely in Arizona during the offseason. I think it was important that as his teammates were going into the facility workout, they saw their quarterback there putting in the work rather than go home to the Dallas area and do it. So and I, I and I thought the the team was much more mature about how it handed Kyler, you know, and that you, you, you saw Gannon praise him at every stop. You, you saw offensive coordinator Drew Petzing do the same thing, you know, constantly saying, yeah, he's our guy. We believe in our guy. We have a franchise quarterback and we all were, a lot of us were like, okay, do they really mean it? Are they sincere? 
you know, we know how, you know, teams tend to tend to lie. And especially about the quarterback, they tend to love the guy they're with until they find somebody better. But all of that stuff, you know, was sincere. So I think I think they can really build upon that. And I, I think if they get him some help at receiver and maybe bolster an offensive line position, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, he could, he could get back to a level or, or reach a level that he hasn't played at so far. I think he could be definitely more than a pro bowl player. He's a guy who could lead you into the playoffs. And summers, we appreciate the time and the insight going to be a very interesting off season for the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Brad Sessmat Show. Appreciate Kent Summers jumping on with us. Talk some Arizona Cardinals. Uh, one other big event uh, that happens each and every year, uh, Super Bowl weekend, is Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, always love getting to go out there. Love covering it. Um, also, you know, have the tradition of Sunday. Usually my wife and I, it's Sunday morning. We'll head out there and uh, have a couple of... Uh, of mimosas as we're watching golf and then you know early afternoon head out go go watch the super bowl uh it's a ni- nice little sunday nice little sunday always loved it uh when it was a week earlier when the super bowl was a week earlier too uh because that was always lined up with the birthday weekend for me so that meant uh you know just a good way to, to put a bow on the uh on on the birthday weekend there um but went out there had a great time um weather wasn't you know, it, I, I was trying to think the last time like weather was actually actually affected the tournament. Like there have been obviously times where it rains or it's it's a little bit cold, a little bit hot, whatever. Um, but when it actually like affects tournament play, and it, it, I couldn't really come up with the last time um, that had really made an impact like it did this year. Um, and it continues to grow every year. It continues to set records. It continues to make a big impact on the community. Like. I think all of those are positives, um, but it did feel like this year more so there was more and more things away from the actual golf itself um, that I don't know if you, you would call them controversies, but you know you did see more uh, players, including uh, Jordan Spieth, um, including Dus- uh, Zach Johnson, Billy Horschel, um, kind of getting upset with the setting of the tournament and, you know, talking in backswings and this and that. And, um, you know, obviously the weather, um, made a, made a big impact, uh, at the afternoon they had to, of Saturday, they had to shut the gates down. You know, I think that's the first time, uh, I may be speaking out of turn that's the first time I'm hearing about it at least. Um, so it's, I'm curious to see what this tournament, what adjustments from this year, are made moving forward um, to continue to make to, to keep this uh, tournament what it is, and it's it is a great party, and it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for every golfer. And I think the tournament is okay with that, I, and I think even the biggest golf fans are okay with that, showing something a little bit different. Um, you know, I was sitting with my dad, and you know, he was saying, "Oh man, you know, there there was some music playing, and it was like, oh man, like." Where else are you going to hear music this loud while while guys are golfing? And I was like, Dad, look around. Like, where are you going to see 90% of what we're seeing in this tournament? Um, and, and it is a, a great party. But I'm, I'm curious to see moving forward if there are adjustments, if there are, um, you know, what 
what are they going to do to build off of that? Obviously, like I think the weather played a huge role in this and impacted a lot. Um, but I don't know, like, I don't know what the adjustments are. And that's, that's why the, the, the organizers get paid the big bucks. Um, but it felt like I just heard a little bit more consternation than usual. Um, whether it's from the golfers or from, um, you know, the experience and, and like, what's that number? How big is too big when it comes to this tournament? It is, is there a number that is too big for this tournament or is that they want to go all in on that reputation? I think they have, um, like I said, they certainly do have a reputation. And I think for those, it, it, it opens up a lot to the community, I think, and to people that don't usually go to golf tournaments. Uh, yes, it is different and that's great. And that's what makes it so unique. And that's why I think some golfers love coming here. There's always going to be golfers that hate going there. Um, but what is it? Could there be a tipping point? And what is that tipping point? And have we reached that tipping point? I don't think so necessarily, but I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to see what that would be and what that would look like. Um, and what lessons were learned this year because it felt like it was a unique year um, that they could implement moving forward. So, um, but as always, love getting out to that tournament. Love, uh, like I said, covering it. Love getting out, just checking checking things out. It truly is like if if you are a sports fan uh, and you have not been out there, like that is, is a tournament that is one of one. You will never experience anything like that. I highly suggest getting out um, to future tournaments. So I um, appreciate Kent Summers jumping on with us here on the Brad Sessmat Show. Have a great Monday, everybody. Have a great week and keep it here to Sports 360 AZ for all of your high school, college, and pro sports needs.